Hi, friends. Just a quick heads up. In keeping with the tradition set in our earliest episodes, we had audio trouble on this recording. Riley introduces our guest, Edward, but right at the critical moment, everything failed. So don't be surprised when there's a bit of an awkward transition when you're expecting a response. Thank you for your patience, and thank you so much for listening. Breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. New Matt Hancock photos have surfaced. I repeat, new Matt Hancock photos have surfaced. We have new Matt. <laughs> the new Matt's dropped. Yeah. yeah, game set and mats, baby. Yeah, the, the, the all the cool zoomers are queuing round the block outside to just just to yeah. see if they can cop the new mats. Supreme X Matt Hancock. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I I know that this is about Matt Hancock, but this could also mean I, I when you say mats, I'm also thinking about Matt the Telegraph cartoonist who does all oh, the kind yeah. of really glib humor. Who gets paid like six hundred grand a year to do like very. Yeah. Bad what about comments. what about Matt Hancock Islamic prayer mats? Ooh. Yeah. That's, well, they're, they're, yeah, why, not? why not? I, 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 why not? I, I'd, yeah. I'd use that. I'd use that. So mm. we're gonna we're gonna do a quick a quick Matt rundown here. Uh, the first new Matt. Uh, these are all old photos. They're dead stock vintage from a 2018 football game mm. uh, at I believe Tory Party Conference played between um, uh, <laughs> a political pundits like centrist pundits and uh, 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 politics writers and uh, Tory MPs. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, the, the centrist pundits are looking surprisingly chad next yeah. to Tory I mean, MPs. You'd think first... that would be easy, right? I th- yeah. I, yeah. I think in the first picture, and I might be wrong, but in the first picture, the blonde guy who's looking up is uh, Robert the Kike, who used to be a mentor of mine back in the day. Hmm. Um, ah. I've never he seen his legs. quite a lot like um, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. I've, nev- I've never seen his legs before, but he's surprisingly jacked. So, yes. Matt, in, in, this, in this photo, Matt sees the ball coming. Um, Assumes a power stance. <laughs> yeah, it's like feet apart, knees together. <laughs> he sees the balls as though he's controlling a particularly errant kite. <laughs> he he look he does look as though he is uh, trying to hold in a pee. Uh, yeah. In the, in the next picture, it's time to go for the header. So he does what every pro does and closes his eyes and just tries to get his precious yeah. little forehead in contact with but the ball. But his feet aren't leaving the ground. He's on tiptoes. He looks as though he's attempted to jump, but forgotten that you need to leave the ground. He's just got to save, he learned. No, he's got to save his ankles for parkour. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's doing calf raises. Uh-huh. Always be doing leg day. <laughs> uh, and also, if anyone wants to ask, does he have a clear dick print through his football Always. shorts? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, next. Matt Hancock is hung like a fucking donkey. Yeah. Actually, the, the the blonde centrist pundit guy next to him, I've realized he doesn't look exactly like Dolph Blundgren. He looks like uh, Mr. Stamper from Tomorrow Never Dies. Huh. Yes. Uh, the final, the final of the new mats that we're uh, that we're reviewing today this is on a our real good mat on our Matt Hancock review po- uh, podcast. You know we had to save the best mat for last. Uh, we weren't going to let you go without like you know really like, really hitting it out of the park in the last mat. Matt. Yeah. Yeah. He, Matt is doing a face looking at the ball that I can only describe as EastEnders character who's walked in to find his wife murdered. <laughs> like that is that Some is Ian the face. acting. Yes. Mm. Yeah, he looks a lot like Ian Beale. He, he in this looks picture. like he's just mid kick figured out that he can levitate the ball with telekinesis. <laughs> <laughs> um, Two words for you: telekinesis. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this is this is the best mat. I think this is the one that most of the resellers are going to be going for. Uh, you know, if you see this mat for less than five hundred dollars uh, on the street, you should buy it. You're probably going to double mm. your money. Yeah, put it on Depop. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, these are the mats that the kids are going crazy for now. Collect them, trade them. We love the mats. <laughs> yeah, they're back, but in pog form. <laughs> Hello.
and welcome back to this free episode of TF. You know what it is. You know the podcast you're listening to. Uh, the only podcast that is also citations needed. Um, we are uh, talking today. Uh, we, of course, being myself, Riley, Milo. Hello. Yeah, welcome back to Trash Future. This oh. is my voice now. No! <laughs> not again. No! I'm going to be talking like this for the no! whole episode. Yeah. You will not. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> No, you jerk, fucking no. hogs. It's great and- to be out here on the belt recording this <laughs> no, podcast. For the love of God, no. No. <laughs> we are not. No. Off the rails. Jer- roasting in some new mats on the bra. minutes. <laughs> jerk Vanderclerk has died <laughs> on his way back to his home planet. Um, it's been so long since I've we've heard from Jerk Vanderclerk, and in my opinion, uh, it should be a while before we do so again. Or Father McMurphy. Fuck off. Uh, I will not be silenced <laughs> on this podcast. Quite frankly, the disgraceful <laughs> attempts to ignore the will of the Northern Irish people. Okay. We also have Hussein, who thankfully does not do as many voices. I don't do any voices except on the M25 very late at night on my own. Um, yeah, that's right. But I'm yeah. fresh back from uh, cancelling Genghis Khan. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, God, mm. that's so it's fucking dis- stupid. He, 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 did say, he did some bad shit and he's got he's to be held accountable. Yeah. Yeah, no, he can't, he's, yeah, he can't work story. up and down, up and down the steps. He is persona non grata. Uh, we also, we also, he's going on trigger pod. We also have Alice. Uh, yeah, fresh off getting cancelled for making fun of the New York City Sanitation Department's dress uniform. Yeah, right. well, Excuse some the, me. Some of them have medals. Like they have, like they have, like um, like it's not just badges? a bad. No, like yeah. medals, like in in, mil- in the military, in army. Yeah, like yeah. genuinely, if you if you like get to a high enough rank in the New York City Department of Sanitation, they give you a kind of uniform that's like half troop, half cop. It looks Ooh. like if you went to Party City and just said "Army, please." Yeah, it's mm. rules. Anyway, so that's what that's yeah, what's been going on in our lives. Uh, but we are also very happy uh, to be joined uh, by Edward Angueso Jr. Uh, who is a tech writer with Motherboard and the co-host of This Machine Kills podcast with friend of the show, Jathan Sadowski, and former guest as well. Edward, welcome to the show. We're going to talk about a few things today. We've got, um, we're, we're going to do a, a few a few bits of uh, the news, current events. Yeah, we're going to do a few bits. Uh, we've got, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about the, the sort of, the, the UK giving itself over to the cult, continuing to give itself over to the cult of the, of the algorithm in terms of either public service or empire, whatever you want to mm. call it, um, and allowing itself to be taken back to, eagerly allowing itself to be taken back to the 19th century by um, a computer we're not allowed to understand. Talk a little bit about surveillance, and then I have a very fun little reading for the end of everything. So mm. let's get going. Um, we're going to start, I think, with uh, the A-level crisis. Uh, yes, the yeah, we, we couldn't not yes. talk about it. It was so us. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I, l- let me explain this for, for the listeners, right? The way things work in the UK with exams, uh, we kind of make you decide what you want to do with your entire life when you're 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pick which subjects you do in school. You study them uh, between 16 and 18 to get into university. And normally, you apply to university, and your teacher predicts what grades you'll get on an exam, uh, and universities make you an offer on that basis. And then you sit the exam, and if you get those grades, then you take the offer, and if you don't, then you have to get another offer, right? 
what happened this time is because of the plague, um, they can't sit any exams. And so what they decided is, well, we're not going to just use the predicted grades. That would be easy. What we're going to do uh, is make everything nice and fair by feeding it into the racism <laughs> computer. And the racism computer says, <laughs> what the racism computer says mm. is, wow, it looks like a bunch of poor kids would have fucked up these exams. And so students who have got like uh, A's and A stars their entire lives uh, are getting like grades, not just predicted grades, but they grades for like an exam they quote unquote sat that are like B, C, C. Yeah. Sorry, we meant to use the sexism computer, but it was unavailable. <laughs> um. it's, it's sort of like if you had a grade point average of like 3.9, right? And you went to sit the SAT and somebody came over and marked all of the answers for you and decided that you got like a 300. Yeah, but the way that they decided that was by going around your neighborhood and seeing how many broken windows there were. Oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> broken window examination. They had like a collaboration with Giuliani and some officials from the uh, New York uh, City Education System. It's good. You know, strong relationship. I mean <laughs> uh, special relationship is still strong. That's right. These kids are getting too many UCAS points. I mean, effect- downgrade a prediction. Eff- effectively, yeah. Um, that's that's more or less what it is, right? Where um, we have we have decided collectively that we are going to we are just going to assume that if your class is is large, we are just going to um, school yeah. class rather than social <laughs> yeah, class. class is, well, if your school class is large and your social class is Damn. the largest one, the working class be so yeah. swollen. Yeah. We are going to make we are going to mark all of your exams down, and like. This is it's it's actually this is something it's difficult to to talk about simply, right? Because on the one Well, the the simple the simple way is that we've just kind of disinherited an entire generation of 18-year-olds. Well, it's it's it's, who... it's difficult to talk about simply, right? Because yeah, on the one hand, social mobility via education has been officially canceled for the year because the Tories were like, well, can't let anyone get grade inflation because then employers might not take them seriously. So in order to save some of them, we need to basically just fuck up a lot of their future. So uh, number one, on the, obvi- burn down the, whole on the thing. obvious level, they have canceled social mobility for the year. Um, and they've done it via some kind of algorithm that they refuse to share. But the second level is that like, it, it's not like when this doesn't happen, when everyone can sit their A-levels like... It's at any in any way good that we're saying that you know someone's ability to meaningfully compare and contrast two Shakespeare plays at the age of seventeen is a really good way to allocate lifelong prosperity to them. Look, oh, that's how I got this job on a podcast. Country. Okay, <laughs> we're the only country that makes you decide if you want to be a doctor. You had better have that shit figured out at fifteen. Mm. And no later. Why? Yeah, you um, better be wiping this, asses this, in a nursing home at fifteen. Otherwise, you would never become a yeah, doctor. You gotta, you gotta work your way up. <laughs> exactly. Why um, is that the like sort think, of idea or the operating ideology for this for the education system there that you got to know everything by the time you're, you know, just about to enter like the part of the world where you might get some experience with what you're gonna figure out you want to mm-hmm. do. You're just about to enter it, and then you have to sit, like, two sets of exams upon which your, like, pretty much entire future depends. It's very healthy, Mm. it's very normal, Um, and so what we're seeing here is another Trash Future classic of the thing that was bad before has become bad uh, in a louder way. Like, it's Mm. just kind of taken the fig leaf away. Yeah, someone's turned up the Enya. So I want to, uh, I I want to sort of bring this, uh, Edward, into your realm of expertise and and look at an example of how this algorithm actually worked 
So basically, if you're te- if you were giving your pre- you could get your teacher's predicted grades, or you could have it downgraded. Now, um, when they tried this in Scotland, uh, only 6.9% of the marks at affluent schools were marked down versus 15.2% uh, of grades in schools in poorer areas. So there is a gigantic... And they admit that it's biased. Mm. It's- How could that happen in Scotland, the most <laughs> left-wing country on earth? No, weirdly enough. <laughs> the, oh, the, the, funny part, yeah. the funny part is that this was a huge, all-enveloping scandal for the SNP, as well mm-hmm. it should have been, mind you. And the people who are pursuing them on this most vigorously included the Scottish Conservatives, who then had to delete a bunch of tweets very hastily. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, so, but uh, the, so we see like the, that there is this biased result, and one of the main, and they say, well, no, we're not biasing it against against poor people. We didn't put wealth in as a criterion. Instead, what we used was cl- we used just put number of cars owned. We, we used class size, <laughs> which might as well be. Uh, Eccentricity yeah. of uniform. Yeah. If you have to wear like a cravat and a 15th century skirt to school, you are keeping your age. <laughs> yeah. What they said was, um, they said was, look, if you're in a class of under 15 people, then we're going to assume your teacher predicted correctly. And a class of under 15 people is almost exclusively Private something that you'd have at like... Yeah, no state yeah. school yeah. has a class size under 15. Yeah, under 30, you'd be lucky. And so, uh, Edward, yeah. as, mis- as, as someone who writes about the- this kind of thing quite a bit, uh, how does that strike you? The fact they said, well, no, we haven't used wealth. We've just used something perfectly correlated with wealth. Yeah, you know, I mean, everyone who, who loves their racism and sexism computers, like they always rely on um, proxies for the very thing that they're claiming they're rooting out the bias for. You know, like in the United States, they'll like one of the ways, uh, you know, pre-algorithm school funding is alle- school funds are allocated is, you know, zip code. But what is zip code a proxy for? It's a proxy for race and it's a process, a proxy for socioeconomic status because of the way in which neighborhoods are redlined or segregated and, and those lines are enforced. And, um, you know, I think with algorithms, it's like a problem we're also seeing here where, People are trying to be like, hey, you know, it's, it's evidence based. You know, there's no actual uh, problem here. We're being fair. But like the evidence they're using, the data they're using is still biased. You know, when you have when like you're collecting data, usually that biases a certain population so that you can watch that population, you know, closer and justify taking shit away from them. Mm. And, and the other thing here, right, is that. This is not just a, oops, the government fucked up and canceled the main type of social mobility for the year that sort of barely exists in a residualized form. It's not just that. It's also a labor issue, right? Because teachers aren't trusted to evaluate their students, even though they're the ones doing the actual work of teaching and actually- Yeah, and the ones who work hardest and trusted the least, the ones with the largest class sizes are the ones whose predicted grades are just like, well, you just made that up, didn't you? Yeah. So I, I'm also interested to sort of hear hear your thoughts on this, right? That this is that these algorithms aren't just ways to um, sort of force through and depoliticize something that you know a revanchist right wing government might might want. It's also a way to massively disempower the workers that are involved. Right. You know, um, I think it was Astra Astra Taylor wrote something about thinking of capitalism as like a insecurity machine where you have algorithms that are, de- are being deployed in digital technologies, not simply, you know, to uh, you know, discriminate or to justify discrimination, but also to uh, create cycles of dispossession and disruption and delegitimization so that future technologies can come in with now fallow ground and like just 
har- and reap and harvest and build up new infrastructures uh, that are privatized. Because now you don't trust the you know, the teachers. You're you're spreading the idea that their labor is not to be trusted. Results are self interested. That you know really the algorithm knows best. And then what happens after that? Then you come in with uh, attempts to restructure the labor force or, you know, to teach, uh, teacher force with, you know, private partner, uh, public, sh- uh, uh, sorry, public private partnerships or, uh, with new systems and new organizations that allow for the algorithm to be centered more squarely as the way to justify, you know, who gets insecure, uh, treatment and who's dispossessed and who's, you know, fucked up and not allowed to get the minimal level of social mobility and then who is you know allowed to be kept secure and whose investment in that new uh, insecurity machine is kept secure you know because now you're prioritizing the people who made the algorithm the companies behind the algorithm uh the you know the the welfare of these you know small states uh private schools that have those small classes in the first place uh it, it, it just ends up being i guess like another way to you know, discipline labor and discipline, you know, the working class um, mm. in a pretty, like, you know, and, and sneaky way. For me, the funniest part about it, though, was that Gavin Williamson, our education secretary, who is a man who looks like the demon headmaster and must presumably have resulted <laughs> from, like, a Nazi experiment to transport a pig's brain into a human body, went on TV and said, well, we have to downgrade all the results to prevent people from being over-promoted into jobs they're underqualified for. And it's like, my guy. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Wait, <laughs> actually, I, I, think, I think that was a misquote, I'm afraid. Oh, no. It was that he said the problem was that um, the marks wouldn't mean as much and would be uh, because people would say, oh, well, those were the marks that weren't impartially given, so we're not going to trust them. People would act like giant shitheads, so we're going to preempt mm. them. But I, th- I, th- mm. right, I think the, the, the interesting thing here as well uh, is that you, it's, it's like, it's, you know, in Futurama, when you first like are born or come to the future, you're given a career chip and it just ba- analyzes your DNA and it tells you what you're going to do. And at this point, analyzes how much cum is in your body and, and tells you whether you're going to be a podcast. Yeah, at this point, it seems to be like um, I, I, you might as well just depending on what postcode you're born in, you're then given your A levels, and then you wait 18 yeah, years and you go you, to university. You may as you may as well have a formalized caste yeah. system. What's the, what's the point, point at that at this stage of just like making people go through the motions of comparing some Shakespeare plays? Why bother? Yeah, you I just mean, try and also, live a good life, like, and then you hopefully get reincarnated as someone who goes to Eton. That's the. <laughs> it's, it's also paranoia. Friend computer assigns you into a security grade. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, also like it's very funny to me that um, we don't need uh, we don't have a vast recruitment need for new doctors or new nurses um, oh. in the middle of the largest pandemic any of us have ever seen. Um, we're not graduating medical school classes early um, in order to like serve in hospitals, uh, so it's fine that we're just taking all of these people who were like presumably eminently qualified to get into medical school or get into law school or get into wherever else, and just being like, yeah, no, actually, um, why don't you just do something? It's the else? same thing, right? Where you have an eviction crisis, where if half of American America's renters can't pay their rent, then they're all evicted. No one lives in those houses because the scarcity is important. 
you got you need mm-hmm. to keep the scarcity. You need to keep social mobility scarce so people keep competing against each other. You need to keep housing scarce. I know I know it's I know it's a function of, of class, right? I know it's it's material, but like it's so tempting to think because it's it, our drive to personalize this stuff is so strong. It's so tempting to think whether you're looking at the government in the UK or the US, these people are all secret accelerationists, right? Like <laughs> there, there is some shit with like the old dudes from trading places happening here, where they're like, "We're just gonna take all of their exams away and yeah, see what you know, happens." Or, or maybe you know? the fail sons are like secretly trying to unionize and just like protect their own <laughs> interest and, and prevent everybody. <laughs> <laughs> My forty nine M eighteen M nineteen M twenty one M fail sons have unionized. Right. Uh, we're saying yeah. we haven't heard from you in a while. What do you think yeah. about all this? This is a crazy, crazy world as normal. Um, in in uh, in the rainy island of Britain, um, I think there's like the things that I was like noticing were first of all that I believe, and I'm not sure. I think um, I saw this tweeted out a couple of times, which was that the Royal Statistical Society actually did offer to help the government um, improve their algorithm in April, so before all this. So they sort of anticipated that like this is going to be a lot of hard work, and you know this there could be a huge margin of error if this isn't corrected. And the government had basically said yes, but you have to sign these NDAs, which means that even if we fuck up, you're not allowed to talk about it for like five years or something like that. Um, which is cool. a very good example of like maybe like this government sort of anticipating the kind of mountain of failure beforehand, and their kind of priority was like, well, you know, just just don't like you know damage the clout too much. Um, the second thing was that more about the reaction of this, and I think that like what's interesting is I was thinking about what happened, what would happen in a reverse situation where these kind of predict where the where the grades that were based on predicted grades, what if they all like increased, and will it feed into this narrative that has been going around um, tabloid newspapers in this country for a very long time, which is that exams are just too easy, um, and and it's mm. it's, just, it's easy to walk out with an A or an A star, and then by extension, it's like, well, it's easy to get into medical school because the algorithms all kind of like let you do that and i sort of wonder whether the outrage would actually in in britain would be um greater if students had actually done better Hmm. Um, Put divinity think, and alchemy it, it, back well, on the curriculum. My question is, uh, like, outrage from where? Because, like, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think that's what would, uh, like, actually cause an outrage that, yeah. like, harmed the Tories, because they're up in the polls by two points, yeah. and Labour cool. are down. Yeah. So, awesome. like, all of the, all of the people, all of the people who are being polled, all of the people who are over eighteen and do not have to worry about this and can just be be spiteful towards the young are like, yeah, no, this is fine. It was, uh, this was where uh, Je- Jeremy Jeremy Clarkson can do his yearly oh, tweet of, well, yes. I got I got I got two I got a C and two U's A level, and I, my car goes two hundred miles an hour. This was another thing too that I thought I no- I noticed um, online when this was all happening, which was that it was very quick for lots of people to uh, transition from like, I feel very sorry for like these people, these young kids who have been working really hard and who are like getting screwed over by the government. It was very quick for that to turn into middle-aged people talking about like how valuable they felt their university experience was on campus and, or how, you know, with a bit of hard work, you know, you can get to where you want to go to, et cetera. Like all this kind of like, we, inst- we have in- to make it inst- about Instagram ourselves. motivational bullshit. Back in those days, you um, could say what you wanted to on a university yeah, campus. The, be- the best kind of reply. And I saw this in a BBC Newsnight um, when BBC Newsnight put out a segment this morning. Um, and I think Nate tweeted this out, 
Um, there was like a guy whose bio, Twitter bio is like 81 years old, XRAF, XNHS. And he's responding to this Newsnight package <laughs> about a young um, immigrant who uh, learned English when he was in his teenage years and then got a place at UCL to study physics or something like that. He needed um, an A star and he got downgraded to an A by the algorithm. So this old guy who has like a stupidly funny name and I can't remember what it is. This guy basically responds saying, um, uh, you know, welcome to the real world, Ibrahim. And like, it could be a fake account, but I feel like this is the sentiment. <laughs> this is the sentiment for a lot of British people of it's a particular not a line age. from the Quran. No, Brit- oh, yeah, Brit- yeah. Britain, is, Britain is sadistic. It's a sadistic country that right. hates the idea that anyone anywhere could be possibly having a good time that they didn't suffer for. And yes. the correct answer, if you have to guess between two options, is always going to be the one with more suffering this island is diseased right. but on the subject <laughs> listen to our next premium episode about trans the rights one that, really quickly the one that really sent me was Catelyn Moran centrist yes. shithead oh, who yes. never cares about anything being fucked but of course her eldest daughter was getting her A-level results so suddenly this it, it enters the mind sphere of Catelyn Moran as something she actually cares about <laughs> rather than another another thing to talk about Jermoy Crobney for right um, and so she was going like oh you know this is going to radicalise the young against this Tory government like this will have a long tail believe me and it's like do you think young people are voting to- like what do you like have you been asleep for 10 years <laughs> I, I wonder if in the last sort of several years there was some kind of major crisis that curtailed the life chances of people who are sort of entering or were in their early stages of entering mm. the workforce that caused them to uh you know sort of unify politically around <laughs> some kind of <laughs> and get mm. owned like y- you can't be like oh these people are going to coolly register to vote when you've spent the last 5 years making coolly and angrily waiting to register to vote uh, showing it to be as useless and as also, possible. Yeah. Who right. are they gonna? Who are the fuck are they gonna register to vote for? Keir Starmer. Just, just very quickly, like we had like the student protests in 2010, right? Like we yeah. had that. We we've had all that, and it hasn't changed anything. If anything, like things have been worse, and you've just been told to like suck it up. And the only like the only kind of chance that you could kind of even get any mild sort of change, um, you were met with like you know you were kind of accused of uh, facilitating racism or anti-semitism so i I don't know like you know maybe but yeah Yeah. guys there's only one solution cut to a fog a fog-strewn scottish moorland me in a big hooded cloak hiking across it going up going up to someone standing on a cliff staring aimlessly out to sea swinson (laughs) <laughs> it's time <laughs> you must yes. return no i retired you must yeah we have to go back to the swin zone my favorite one was the wallets G- they're f- they're free of skills my favorite one yeah well no one's getting skills in their wallets anymore no exactly uh, the it, algorithm took all the yeah. skills out of the wallets. we can no longer afford anyone to have skills the first set of student protests were about the taking away all the money and now they've taken away all the grades there's literally <laughs> no point in doing anything except mm. just i don't know twitch streaming i guess yeah, th- this country would abolish the youth if it could vote uh, to. The, and it's trying. algorithms downgraded my Twitter. <laughs> my, my favorite one, though, was from James Bethel, who said, I, f- <laughs> my, I fluffed my A-levels, yes. taught me how to hustle, first to get a place at university, and haven't stopped ever since. Grades are great, but grit and perseverance win every time. Now, spelled university right. wrong in the tweet. <laughs> uh, uh, now, uh, Edward, do mm. you want to guess what James Bethel's job is? Oh God! I you know I got money on um, financial you know finance financial services or maybe he's like some sort of Tory you know so something like pop like oh. po- political. 
oh, you... Oh, getting warmer. Getting oh, yeah, warmer. Getting warmer, but no, much older than that. No, James Bethel's a lord. Oh, um, oh my God. Hereditary <laughs> lord. He wasn't made a lord. He was born one. <laughs> um, he was born in it. Molded by yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. You really adopted the peerage. He was um, <laughs> <laughs> just under a bunch of ermine, like in an enormous cloak, going, You're a big guy for you. <laughs> you're, a, you're a noble guy for you. I mean, uh, so, and he basically, and, and he's actually a, a minister as a hereditary peer. He's a minister in the Department of Health, uh, and he's the minister for innovation oh, who works for me. Matt Hancock. So he's like, <laughs> He's like Hancock squared. And and here's the great thing. He awarded a 191 million pound contract for COVID genetic sequencing to DNA Nudge, a company we've talked about on this podcast. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I love it when the alumni come back for a fucking uh, cameo. Yeah. So like so it's just it's it is fucked in, on every level where oh. the 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 premise of meritocracy is fucked. The the uh, e the meritocracy itself, even in theory, which is already bad, yeah. isn't actually happening at all. And we seem to be taking every step in our arsenal to keep it from happening to preserve Britain's caste system. The patented trash future algorithm has downgraded the vibes to fucked. <laughs> what if these people, yeah. when they talk about hard work and and grit and perseverance, are just talking about like. You know, they had to work really hard to bribe people and to get into the right places. And like, you know, that's uh, know. <laughs> that's that's how you pick yourself up by the bootstraps. You learn who's corruptible and you learn who, you know, is willing to look the other way. Well, this this guy hasn't even needed right. to do any corruption, right? You got to get your right A-levels to get out of the... Yeah, you know, they're pushing back the relevant A-levels now to the sperm. Right. You have to make sure you get into the right uterus. Uh, or you just have to. I mean, no, none of this, none of this means anything. I don't have any A levels. I'm a podcaster now, right? Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I have very good A levels, and I'm still a podcaster. <laughs> exactly. There is. It's almost as if this isn't really tied to anything except our insanely like ossified system of of class. Yeah. So hmm. we appeared. So basically, through sheer ineptitude. Um, we have created a situation where the entrance criteria for Oxbridge are exactly what they were in the 1800s, but we've used a bunch of uh, algorithms and apps we, to yeah, make that happen. You, you, we you, did have it. To, you have to sway your loyalty to God and the Queen. That's right. Um, so You are allowed to keep a bear as a pet, though. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So also the other thing that's been happening recently is, uh, is, is we have, once again, sort of concocted out of nothing um, a sort of moral and political panic about That's right alchemy back on the curriculum <laughs> about people crossing the uh the channel from calais refugees yeah. coming to britain uh, um our very own migrant caravans yeah. at last uh, so just <laughs> for some julius caesar's legions are not welcome here yeah uh for for context um the number of refugees in britain is is one of the smallest of any country in europe it's and about the nine and the percentage of those refugees that get here from crossing the channel is a vanishingly small proportion of, of that number. So, you know, I know it's liberal bullshit to be like, oh, in crisis is not really a crisis. But just do keep in mind that this is entirely a media confection. No, but the thing is, it's a staging point for when it becomes one, right? Because I know you put this ahead further up, but, um, you know, the, the last intact ice shelf in Canada has now, like, detached and melted. Um, it, it's this, 
not to do Camp of the Saints, right, but like it seems pretty obvious that the migration quote-unquote crisis that we've seen so far is like a prelude to something much more dramatic in terms of necessary migration as big bits of the planet become unlivable. And it feels like it's a very calculated effort to get this stuff on the agenda now of, oh, well, we do the, the gunboats and the navy and we do the barbed wire and that way when uh, we stop doing the dress rehearsal and the real thing happens, everybody's going to be that much more comfortable with just straight up oh, eco-fascism. I've got some bad news. I just fed necessary migration into the racism computer and it's come back as uh, invasion. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so um, basically, a little more on this, what's happening yes, uh, is that uh, a massive media circus uh, has has basically turned this into, the, into a crisis um, and <laughs> we've gone from ferries doing donuts in the Thames to journalists' boats doing donuts in the fucking channels, <laughs> trying to find these reporters, boats. some of whom, like Bethel, are actual aristocrats, uh, have yeah. been getting into boats and then riding up beside my boats full of refugees who are frantically bailing water mm -hmm. out, trying not to die, and shouting over to them, to them, "Hey, are you from Syria?" They've somehow done reverse Dunkirk. Like they've hired, they've got a bunch of guys in fishing boats to go out and scream at people who are trying to cross the channel to get away from being murdered. Yeah. Um, so again, once again, this country is a grim and sadistic place, and our media is deeply complicit in and yeah. an active, not just complicit in. Do they have the Joe Rogan experience <laughs> there? <laughs> um, right. And and as a result of this, right, there is now, of course. The Tories can say, well, there's pressure on us. They, they don't care. They can, say, they can say whatever they want. But they say, oh, well, there's pressure on us to, to stop these crises, to stop these crossings. Oh, and of course, they're being done by the mafia. We don't have any proof for that. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Pretty Patel. Drone transportation. Yeah. That's right. So Pretty Patel has basically appointed a military commander to oversee channel crossings. Good. Um, and uh, this is Dan Mahoney, who was appointed by Patel as the clandestine channel threat commander, said, these crossings are dangerous and unnecessary, and I'm determined to stop them, which I assume means by making them so dangerous that, it, that, that no one could possibly do one. Well, I mean, this is exactly what, like, Frontex was doing yep. in the Mediterranean. Uh, like it, I know, like FBP people have had their moment in the sun of like, oh, well, you can't expect to coordinate security with France because you're not in the EU anymore. And you know who's really good at killing migrants is the EU. And everybody right. who was like paying attention to that is just like, wait, what? That's what you thought was good about the EU? Yeah. So essentially, like there, there has been a plan to try to put gunboats in the channel, but that has been scrapped mm -hmm. because of well. It's illegal under international it's law. Slightly very illegal. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. Sure, like, don't get me wrong. I believe they want to do it. I think they'll probably find a way to do it. Um, and if they're not going to do it now, then you know maybe once because um, Greenland just went into something uh, called um, an upward spiral of uh, melting now, so it reached a tipping point the other day. So it's going to be like Ohio in ten years. So at some point. Uh, it's going to be dudes just drinking monster energy everywhere. But it's going to be that in about 10 uh -huh. years. So, uh, Alice, can you please play the drop? What? You killed me. A hundred years from now, there won't be one sad fuck to look at any of this. What keeps you going? You know what it is, Theo? I just don't think about it. That's right. Uh, Tori's trying to make Alfonso Cuaron's Children of Men into a documentary. 
Um, mm. Get blackpilled. Get the thing above blackpilled where you just like start day drinking, yeah, right. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing about it, it's going to be like algorithmically adjusted children of men. So depending yeah. on which men you're the children of, that will affect your position in the ultimate dystopia. <laughs> that, is, that is kind of the plan, which we're going to talk about after mm. this. But um, so, of course, uh, Paul Mason... Uh, responded by saying, pushback of refugee boats would be illegal. I don't believe the first sea lord would sanction the Royal Navy doing it. And Priti Patel is insulting our armed forces by even suggesting that they could intentionally put civilian lives at risk. (laughs) 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 Sunday, bloody Sunday. Really encapsulates the frustration of a Sunday. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's uh, that's Fuck not. Equ- me. I feel like it's not quite fair to equate the rest of the armed forces with the parachute regiment, who are a special kind of psycho. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, sorry, lib- old, old liberal Milo. They invented a kind of boxing where you're not allowed to block or dodge punches. What the fuck? Uh, it's a special kind of psychosis. Anyway. Uh, so, you know, uh, the, the Sensibles Brigade is definitely out in force. Again, looking mm. at the genuine uh demoniz- the demonization and mo- and the creation of a moral panic around people legally like legally again it doesn't matter it's the rule of power at this point uh claiming asylum in in the country so they don't get killed um and a, t- a tory mp commenting on patel's plan said she talked about how the asylum system is broken and is exploited by lefty labor supporting lawyers who are sending us legal letters every day to try to stop us removing people from yeah, this supporting country. Supporting labor is a crime. It's not she a legitimate said, political orientation. She said she has the legislation coming forward and it's going to be difficult, but it's going to give the left a meltdown. Triggering the yep. lips. Sounds fucking great. Yep, that's exactly is it. Is it so. bringing back the death penalty, but only for illegal immigrants? You know, you know the funny thing is that like, uh, she might well be able to do all of this, and then the bodies will like wash up on shore, and then we'll have like five hundred people sticking cameras in their faces, and then we'll also have cameras doing vox pops from Marjorie and Dean in Southend, uh, who will still hate Prissy Patel and think she's not going far enough because of you know cultural Marxism. Oh, yeah. I have to say, and this is one of the things I mean with the greatest sincerity, it is an incredible embarrassment to Britain that someone who is as much of a just evil, bloodless psycho as Prissy. Patel has been allowed to become like Home Secretary. Like, even by the standards of the current Tory administration, she really is a horrendous piece of shit. Like, I, I mean, cannot, for like for international listeners, I cannot stress enough how much this woman w- would like it would make Satan's asshole worse by her <laughs> presence. And like I can't I think it just it just indicates how morally bankrupt we've become that like the woman who loves the death penalty and hates all immigrants has somehow become like fucking yeah. the home secretary. I mean I mean her I mean her entire policy philosophy is one which is trying to evoke the most cry laugh emojis online as she can, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, um, it's, once again, it is it is children of men. Government it's, by it's, boomer twitter. Children of men, but like where most of the people in dystopian England fucking love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They mm-hmm. love that only Britain soldiers on. They love that, like everyone's in cages. Like, they it, love that there are no young people left. Yeah, this is this is the a- world they Diego, want. Simple as. <laughs> this is literally the world that they want. They want to live in Children of Men. They see Children of Men and they're like, "Fuck yeah!" All the all of the art and like the the, the all the all the arts away. Um, there are no children, and everywhere I look, there are immigrants in cages. More of this. Mm. They love Children of Men because dudes rock. Yeah, that's right. That's fucking so, right. So, um, I want to sort of go going back a little bit to uh to to your sort of area of expertise, Edward. I want to talk about how 
this this just sort of visceral evil essentially is able to be coolly detached and systematized and put into an algorithm and it's all it's it's a similar thing right it's the second side of the coin of the algorithm with the education system right where it's that feeling of of it's the feeling of contempt for the young or hate of the for of the foreigner that is able to be detached and, and depersonalized and made to look objective yeah you know i think a lot of you know energy is spent trying to rescue policing, right? Because it's in the midst of a legitimacy crisis, you know, as is a lot of society. Um, and, you know, in the United, United States specifically, we have, you know, sort of the origins of this going back to this uh, paper published in 2011, you know, called Police Science. And um, in it, they're basically calling for a reformation of science's role. Uh, they want it to be more embedded in policing so that we can have policies that are evidence-based to convince the public, you know, that they're not racist and they're not violent. And actually, they're just, they're using force the way that the data uh, dictates that they should. Um and, you know, that I think this rings even more true in the middle of like a move, you know, with the defund the police movements, right, where you have, you know, calls for reducing funding uh, to police departments, you know, undermining their ability to extract resources from the public through, you know, either just seizing uh, you know, assets through forfeiture or through, you know, excessive fines, you know, all, all the ways in which police can plunder a community. You know, that is, you know, maintained also through a public funding uh, initiative that they'll defend, you know, by saying, look, uh, the world is competitive. And when it comes to public services, we need to be legitimate. We need to be seen as objective and evidence based. And so we have to use um, science. We have to do collaborations with university departments. We have to hire anthropologists so that we can understand like the lived experiences of people before we, you know, you cave their skulls in. Like we have to, you know, appear as if we're really, you know, empathetic and, and caring so that people don't challenge it. And so that we can continue to also gain more um, autonomy. But when you look at it, you know, when you look at the history of, you know, this attempt to use technology to depoliticize things, you know, there's a long track record, you know, in the United States going back to like, uh, let's say the 1890 census where, you know, the reason why their computational devices were used in that was so they could, you know, justify why black people were being thrown into the prison system, which at that time was an immediate descendant of, you know, slavery, right? And Well, thank God that that's changed. Yeah, you know, like, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, they were trying to figure out, you know, why is it that black people are so criminal? Why are they, why are they in jail all the time? It turns out that they're just uh, inferior. They're, you know, you know, they're wild, they're savage, they're, you know, whatever sort of, you know, narrative was uh, you want to throw at, uh, was used to justify that. And I think that, mm. you know, you can trace this in pretty much almost every major iterative uh, stage of technological development, right? The attempt to say that what it is right now is because of history um, and, you know, or some inherent nature to it. It's liberalizing it's uh, cons it's all consuming. It's you know impossible to contain. It's like fire, and if you try to stand you know in front of it, you're actually holding back uh, nature and you're holding back reality and you're trying to delude yourself into something that's not real. And so you know 
that you end up with like uh, you know shitheads in you know the states constantly quoting like FBI statistics, being like, well, you know, look, like crime statistics show that black people do disproportionate amount of crime, you know, towards each other or in the society at large, and ignoring the fact, you know, the way that statistics are collected, as um, you know, some of the historians here are trying to tease out is. You know, certain communities are over-policed. They're going to have more eyes on them, and that data is going to be collected more than, like, you know, people doing suburban moms doing coke or, you know, or pills in um, in areas where there are no cops. Or where if there are cops, they're, like, more integrated into friendly roles or they're guarding the communities or they're doing more, you know, they're occupying roles that are more service or more, you know, uh, le- less violent, less confrontational, uh, less surveillance than they would uh, in the dangerous, you know, urban core and the dangerous black and brown communities. And I think like this is this is this is very interesting, right? Where what we're what we're doing is we have this we have this 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 cloak of systematization. We have this cloak of science mm. that you just sort of that you can hand wave anything away behind. Yeah, we wouldn't have and, built a racism computer if it was bad. <laughs> and <laughs> of I mean, invented by Dr. Racism. It's not a racist computer. It's named after its inventor. <laughs> it's actually a peninsula. Yeah, he um, came over from Germany. Uh, He's a great guy. <laughs> some, some kind of operation office supplies? I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> operation Clippy. Yeah. <laughs> Put yeah. Episode, episode title. title. It looks like you're trying to do some racism. <laughs> yeah, episode title. Um, but like, but if you think about, I think you can see, you can see technology as far back as the fucking spinning Jenny, um, as as mm-hmm. existing for two reasons, right? As existing to you know spin the Jenny, but also to obscure mm, the right. but to obscure mm-hmm. the social relationship between the capitalist and the worker, you know, because instead of yeah. just saying, and the, the the spinning Jenny relative to like modern police science. Does mangle fewer children? Yeah. They're actually going to feed the GCSE results into the spinning Jenny and just yeah. see what it does with them. <laughs> oh, you want your exam results? Reach in there and grab them. <laughs> but I, Use I, your child-sized hands. Yeah, I, I, I am serious though, right? Where what the what one of the functions of the spinning Jenny is to is to make the relationship between the employer and the employee look. Uh, look natural and mutually beneficial because the employer mm. is able to say, well, it's my spinning Jenny. So obviously all of the profits from the operation of that spinning Jenny are going to be mine to decide what to do with. And then mm. that's just taken as red. And the relationship of I give you all my labor and you give me enough back to like to live on, maybe that relationship is obscured by the fact yeah. of the of the technology itself. It's like it's like your only friend who had the multi tap for PlayStation 2 when you were a kid. Exactly. So they kind of controlled the gaming agenda because it was there. <laughs> multi-tap. But if Marx were alive that's later, actually a that's direct quote from Marx. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually the multi-tap will become so expensive to produce, so the tendency <laughs> of the rate... Only one kid will have yeah. it, everyone will be their friend. <laughs> um, um, but, Welcome to 12-year-old Capital. <laughs> so, um, also, right... I really like that bit, by the way. We're going to go back to that. Uh, the, the tendency of the rate of Fortnite skins to fall. Uh, yeah. So also, but that, that, and I think that allows us to look at Luddism, right? Um, not just as something that was happening with the spinning Jenny of people who didn't want to be, you know, destroyed by the satanic mills. But also, you know, again, if you're saying, well, we don't want evidence-based policy, you, know, you can be portrayed as saying, what, you want more biased policy? Mm. But no, and so this yeah. is... You, oh, you want to turn off the racism computer? <laughs> Why do you hate computers? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Word. And so there's this concept that you were, you've talked about before, and this is this concept that's attributed to the Luddites of perceiving technology in the present tense. And I think like it's important to 
see mm. when you when you look at whether it's the racism algorithm or whether it's the um the social mobility destruction button or mm. um or what have you or or, or the, the spinning or jenny the, the, uh, ism button I, yeah. some letters have been rubbed off yeah. through constant use <laughs> uh, right <laughs> when, when you're when you're looking at that right it's important to break with that idea of determinism and that this is necessary progress because all it's really doing is encoding and reifying particular interests. Right. You know, uh, David Noble, he talks a lot about perceiving technology in the present tense in this book of his um, uh, Forces of Production. It's like a history of technology and, and, and science and how they're used to kind of obscure, like you said, relationships especially in capitalism between workers and, and capitalists or uh, obscure the way that production actually happens. And, you know, with technology, you know, they're, they're the main ways people are taught to think about tech is, you know, it's a deterministic and, you know, that we cannot stop the past. It's just like this fucking, you know, like the Snowpiercer train just barreling through the moment. And then there's you know, progress that you also can't stop. Uh, because the future is calling for us to just keep going forward and forward. And, you know, these two dual narratives prevent us from actually looking at what technology is doing in a moment and stopping it. You know, like when the Luddites were smashing the machines, it's been reduced to an an epithet because, you know, they dared to say that something that exists right now can be bad and that something that exists right now can lead to bad things. Um, and they were very conscious about the fact that you needed to break that shit. You needed to have like a militant uprising. You needed to con- you know, confront uh, the way that things were you know, uh, going because if you didn't, right, you would give, you know, machinery and the capitalists behind it more room to destroy your community, destroy your jobs, destroy the lives in the name of this progress and to, you know, sort of prevent any sort of criticism from them. And I think that's why the, you know, the Luddites were successful in a lot of ways that, you know, other labor movements haven't been and that, you know, this violent uprising was able to give them time and space uh, to pressure, uh, you know, the state to, you know, alter or, or at least concede some of the demands that they were making or, or change some of the ways that employers could, you know, dominate the lives of uh, employees and workers in these mills. And it was violently put down. And I think, you know, that sh- that ends up the one of the reasons why there's a lot of energy poured into dismissing it as just simply a nothing, you know, nothing and an, epi- an epithet is because, you know, uh, there's there's real power in that they were willing to you know risk themselves to stop something in the moment to try and renegotiate it you know when when people are looking at um, surveillance systems the solution is not to like oh imagine a future where surveillance is kinder and democratized it's to smash it you know it's to stop it when people are talking about you know racism computers and algorithms like the solution is not to like remove the bias and figure out how we can live with it it's to smash it you know the and and we lose sight of that because we they're they're you know thought of as like eldritch magic you know and they're thought of like oh it's like if we just harness it correctly then we can get rid of this bad you know aspect of it but in reality Mm. you know the bad aspect is a planned you know part of it you need to destroy the thing and then only after you get rid of this you know device this technology uh can you really get rid of the relationships and the dynamics that it's you know supercharged and then from there 
it's it's so it's 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 so like um tied into like our conception yeah. of history mm-hmm. too like we we have this idea of um uh, the moral arc of the universe right like uh, the instinct that we're given is so much towards reform that any kind of like revolutionary change like that is incredibly threatening mm. and it's terrifying mm. to us that's because the luddites had great foresight and they were like the spinning jenny very bad very bad jenny <laughs> it's gonna you now right now it's doing spinning it's just spinning you think it can't be a bad jenny but then sooner or later it's the tiktok the talk tick the chinese they're making your children dance you thought it was just spinning no they're moving all around they're becoming chinese Oh yeah. <laughs> with 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 the, with but with those two concepts in mind, with the idea of police science as obscuring as obscuring these relationships generally, and the idea that also taking that perceiving technology in the present tense, breaking from that determinism, we can then look at it at an actual uh, some actual programs. So here's one that the EU is doing. We'll sort of go through this quickly with the incredible name of I lowercase I because it's the early 2000s. Uh, border uh, CTRL. Uh, <laughs> cool. Ah. Hip. So, I select. mean, fucking Frontex was yeah. bad enough. Is, like, is this like a much more like an insulation robot with yeah. Will Smith? Uh, so, uh, I Border Control. Uh, this is actually from the EU's website. It says it leverages a constellation of software and hardware technologies to enable a two-stage migration process into the EU. Now, what I've done is I've... I love when I leverage a, a constellation of yeah. software and hardware technologies. So I've, I've, I actually, I've um, edited this for length. I wrote that. Um, so I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, so this two... St- but here's what's interesting, right? The two-stage process includes, and we can re- think about what this is really for. A, the registration before travel to gather initial personal uh, travel document and vehicle data, perform a short, automated, non-invasive interview with an avatar subject to lie you detection. You have to talk to Project Milo? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Not me again. Um, subject to lie detection. So, phrenology Project Milo, that's going to, like, you know... What, do the plot of NBC's lie to me. I love to get fucking anal probed by my EU mandatory bonsai buddy. <laughs> and link mm. and link the traveler to any pre-existing authority data. So it's also public sector Palantir. Basically. It's amazing. Oh. Um, <sighs> yeah. And this is the EU. This is, this is everyone's all liberal darling the EU, the beating heart of global liberalism. This is, they are saying, hmm, we're going to create a giant publicly funded Palantir that if anyone wants to come into the country, they basically need to take a lie detector test. Yeah. Uh, that we do some skull measurements. And, and, t- and undertake some skull measurements. And then, go ahead. Um, go ahead. The, I was just thinking about how the, uh, it was a few, maybe a few weeks ago, where like this EU commissioner was saying that, look, the policing crisis in the United States, it will never, ever happen in the EU. And it's like, meanwhile, they're doing supercharged shit like this, which is exactly what like our immigration authorities are doing and also feed into the whole crisis. Mm. Yeah, because if because mm-hmm. all of this stuff never stays. Didn't he the bo- say Black Lives Matter, but in like a really like false yeah. way. I'm trying to find. Uh, well, it. the thing is, right? All of these p- technologies may start at the border, or they start mm. in the empire, but they never stay there. Yeah, ever. Mm-hmm. Um. So they say using multi-factor analytics and risk and a risk-based approach, the data is registered and processed and correlated with publicly open data or external systems such as the SIS two. They're gonna read your tweets. Yeah. Awesome. So, right. So we. Oh, I, I yeah. found it. I found it. EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs Josip Borrell has said the people of Europe are shocked and appalled by the death of George Floyd. Uh, this is an abuse of power. It has to be renounced. It has to be combated everywhere in the United States. 
Uh, allow me to repeat that all lives <laughs> oh, matter. Black lives also matter. But, uh, That's no why one... I'll be wearing solidarity blackface. <laughs> <laughs> but no, of course, no one, no one, no one in the Mediterranean, the Euro- European Union, is very comfortable with having a blood-soaked southern border. Mm. Black lives also yeah, matter. Black lives also Isn't that matter. Good? Thank you, European. That's new. I haven't yeah. heard some I shit cannot, like that. <laughs> I can't. I. I. I literally. I cannot believe that the cleavage, the cleave in our politics, what was around supporting this fucking thing. Anyway. Um, the B, yeah. the actual control at the border that complements the pre-registered information with the results of security controls that are performed with a portable wireless connected iBurder control unit that mm. can be used inside buses <laughs> or trains at any point. The, the racism computer, yeah. they made it yeah. real. It's and they a made re- it portable. It's a repurposed T-Mobile sidekick. <laughs> the data collected are encrypted, securely transferred. <laughs> I'd love to like hold up my Nokia N-Gage that displays a list yes. of approved yeah, it's just skin tones. Yes. You know? It's just racist precogs yeah. in a machine just like trying to see if you're actually trying to get into country or not. And it's and this mm. is the and this is the other point. This is the, the point that really caught me. The data collected are encrypted, transferred, and you analyzed in real time, providing automated decision support for the border control officers. Nope. Uh, Do you no, know no, what? No, no. And anytime you hear automated decision support, what it means is the racism computer. <laughs> it means the racism <laughs> computer. Yeah, because it's. What we've done, what we've done is we've done the spinning jenny on cops, and now, like, you don't even have to do the racism inside of the cop's head anymore. They can just be like, yeah, no, I've got, I press a button yeah, and wait, does, on, does so the racism. This is kind of woke because it's going to lead to cops being made obsolete. Cops are going to be made redundant. <laughs> they're, they're not racist yeah. enough. That's the problem. We need. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is this is insulting. We need to, to get those racism yeah. numbers. Yeah, up. they're not smart enough to be sufficiently racist yeah. for our requirements. Yeah, uh, this is. This is insult. This is insulting to badge workers around the world. <laughs> oh, God, they're selling me some kind of computer. Can be more racist than me. I'm Italian. Wait, sorry. Are you doing the uh, before that steam drill shall beat me down? I'll die with my hammer in my hand for police racism. <laughs> That's right. Yes. John Henry is a cop. Yeah, because got some guy called Algorithm. I don't know this fucking guy. <laughs> he said he's more racist than me. <laughs> I'm from Staten yeah. Island. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, we're we're doing John Henry, but yeah. Also, it's like it's it it all it means. Yeah, the police are going to be able to be racist in their own time. They can mm. they can they can they because the computer will take it over for <laughs> eight them. Eight hours for work, eight hours for rest, eight hours for <laughs> screaming racial slurs yeah. out of my window. Awesome. Started building like building a big model gollywog in your garage as a retirement project. <laughs> so the other thing, right? So that's what's happening in the EU. There's this big new technology procurement. That's, they're basically going to try to automate certain elements of the racism. Uh, in the UK, it's a little bit different. Uh, there's something called Project Nexus, which is something that has been... Oh, that doesn't sound <laughs> ominous at all. <laughs> it's, mm. it's been... <laughs> Thank you for your work on Project Arcturus. It's not the Denver Broncos, yeah. but it'll have to Project do. Nexus is absolutely not something that would be picked up uh, on a manila file by someone in an SS uniform and go, Ah, yes, the time has come. <laughs> so, uh... It is essentially, uh, you, you alerted to this, uh, to me to this thing's existence, uh, Edward, uh, is essentially a data sharing arrangement between different police forces in the home office, where every interaction you have with the police is recorded and tracked, and then can be used by the home office to remove you from the UK, even if you've like never cool. committed a crime. If you just like get charged with several crimes, then the home office can say, he's been charged with several crimes. I think maybe 
they're on the balance of probabilities. They're dangerous to have in the no UK. No smoke without fire. Yeah. And they yeah, deport is, you. Believe cops. You just have to have like the Project Nexus is just literally a nexus of racism computers. You know, they make like a racism mm-hmm. supercomputer. It'll get sentience and then it'll start restructuring society. It'll be great. <laughs> But like we have to talk about the the antecedents to this, like the earlier uh-huh. generation of racism computers still in use, prevent, yeah. uh, which is like turning your imam into yeah. a border guard, for instance. Uh, Hussein, uh, also, or, or like the, Hussein, the, I'd like to I'd like to hear I'd like I'd like to hear from you a little bit about this as well, uh, especially because it seems to be the th- it it's it's from 2012, but it seems to be taking the prevent idea of if we don't like you, we can make a computer say that you're dangerous and then do something about it. Mm. Computer yeah, says I mean, I mean, there's very little to say about this other than it's bad, actually, folks. Um, but it's also, again, like the most British thing possible. So like, I was on Nate's podcast a while ago, but anyone who's like sort of been tracking Prevent over the past decade sort of knows that like, um, as the years have sort of gone on and more importantly, as the Home Office has kind of just wanted to centralize Prevent more and more, um, to the point where basically the whole program is run from quite a shady unit inside the home office, which is next to impossible to like freedom of information. Um, which means that we have no idea kind of like what metrics they use, what kind of like, again, what kind of algorithms they use. Also, a lot of that stuff is outsourced as well to companies that have these um, types of like national security protections, which means, again, it's very difficult to FOI people. So the kind of big leaks that we've well, it's had- really from- galling to be racistly profiled by G4S. I mean, I, mean I, I, like, I at least want a racism <laughs> algorithm that works. I mean, I mean, I mean, like of the prevent projects that we know, and they've all largely come from like a few dogged journalists at like the Middle East Eye and stuff, which is basically like for people who don't know what the Middle Middle East Eye is, they are a like news website that mainly focuses on Middle East and politics, but they have like a couple of UK based reporters who are quite good and they've like, this is solely their beat. But it's also testament to like how much work needs to be done to even like find out the basic elements of like how this kind of hugely expensive national security program works. Um, but it's become more and more centralized by the home office and also more and more obscured by the home office. But um, it's almost all of it is kind of centered around surveillance. And the whole premise is that like their belief is that through surveillance, we can like not only change behaviors, but we can also weed out people before they become potentially dangerous, but they don't really know how to expand any further. And this has kind of been like- It's literally minority report. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like that's not, you know, Aaron Kudnani who wrote the book on like prevent, uh, it was called The Muslims Are Coming. Like he basically said, makes that point throughout the book. This is is minority report without the cool aesthetics. Yeah, the book is called The, the Muslims Are Coming. Called- um, oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. It's really, yeah, he's a, and and it's kind of like the definitive book about Prevent and like nothing else has really been written but that's, that is that in depth. And I think a lot of that, again, comes down to the fact that how like the, how difficult it is to get information. The point that I was going to make was that this, the, this follows a very kind of British home office tendency of like everything being about surveillance and getting as much information as we can, which mm. eventually like yeah, does lead that's... to phrenology. That's the thing. Like if all of this leads to phrenology and even like the idea of like basing someone's deportation through um, whatever like interactions that they have with like this famously um, fair police force that definitely has never charged lots of innocent people with, with crimes that they haven't committed 
Um, and then also like gutting legal aid, which means that they don't have access to resources to like defend themselves. Like it's basically creating a system that's like even more stacked against them, basically guaranteeing deportations, but allowing that to kind of like at least have some respectable legal, um, uh, you know, cloaking around that. I, I was going to say again, as like another point, which is like, I wouldn't be surprised if like the type of EU systems where you're kind of being interrogated about like your kind of alleged torture by like an avatar giant red dog or something like that is going to be introduced to the uk like you know that is not something that is unfathomable well, not he's me. not gone rogue has he <laughs> <laughs> the, the the other thing i wanted to say is that there's also like a there's a there's a disability angle right. here which is that like the other the other surveillance thing that comes to mind is that if say you were on uh, as it used to be incapacity benefit right and you say went to a protest for disability rights and got arrested or got charged or even just got photographed like walking around for five minutes at a time it was entirely possible that the police would just send that to the home office who would be like oh yeah we're just going to stop your benefits now because clearly you can get up and say hey maybe don't kill or deport me mm. so you can probably work for sports direct mm. i guess yeah and the other thing right is that with it's an irredeemable with, country yeah. put it put it in the fucking sea with all of this with with all of these relationships existing it's very. It, you look like you look. You can be sort of derisively referred to as a luddite if you say, "No, we need to break these chains. We need to remove these connections. These kind of surveillance, this kind of analytics, mm -hmm. this kind of automation is generally bad." Um, you know the and and you and it's very. But it, but it, this is something also that the, I, I go back to the point that uh, Ollie Philosophy Tube made on this show a while ago, which is that once you buy a tool, once you build a tool, it's hard to get rid of. Yeah, you know, it's hard to put it down. Mm. And so, but and now, so we're and so and these you, calipers. You can only keep ratcheting it up. So, for example, the 2014 and 16 Immigration Acts introduced offensive offenses like driving when unlawfully in the UK, which means <laughs> that it basically, if you're Woo! if you're here cycling on, while gay, yeah, if you're here unlawfully, and the police just notice you, they can ask you for your for your um your residency status, and then. I'll, they can just punch that into a computer and then you'll get analyzed and possibly and possibly have your life destroyed and have that just be like, well, computer says deported. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, we're just working on ways to make living in Britain more kind of stochastically terrible for everyone who isn't the worst person yeah, on well, Earth. This is kind of yeah. how I end this segment, right? It's like. All of these developments mean that the UK has to be understood as being riven by two equal opposite forces. Just the desire to surveil and criminalize refugees, to screw over the young, to just make the world a more bitter, rotten, and miserable place by putting all of our productive energies behind that. But and also, the, desi and 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 also the, des the desire by the Tory party to give lucrative contracts to their moronic friends. Yeah. I was, I was going to add, like, and to check the genitals of everyone going into bathrooms, but I feel like that's also going to be part oh, of the surveillance yeah, thing anyway, right? <laughs> that's the next thing coming along. We'll get to that in the next bonus episode. But yeah, I, I, I look forward to also the aspect of it that it's so farcical and incompetent because that's Britain. I So I look forward to, like, uh, a special camera coming out of the toilet system and being like, hmm, seems like your genitals don't match. Uh, you will now be deported to... Uh, a country we have picked at random by rolling this D20 oh, yeah. on the screen. I think I figured out what it is. It is all of the all of the political substance of uh, Children of Men, but the aesthetics of the Running Man. <laughs> well, Brazil. That, I think that's also like as a small point why we really need 
to sort of embrace the idea that we need to delegitimize, you know, tech as like some objective thing, because like you said, it's hard to put down these tools. They're becoming pervasive everywhere. And if they become pervasive, they're not just collecting the data. They're then using it to control people, right? And to legitimize all the ways that people can control, be controlled. And then if those fail, then they penetrate further and further and further into your life until it's just all appendages of like a nationwide hmm. or global-wide system, you know? Yeah, and, and for for a labor thing, people have right. to make these, and th- those people sometimes have consciences, and other times are just allowed to be like, "Yeah, no, I just work in tech. This is neutral to me." I the fact that I am doing a deportation algorithm, I don't actually know that that's what it's going to be used for. I just punch right. in the numbers, so like, leave me alone. And that you know, I think that that it's. It's very encouraging to me that there has been pushback. It was very encouraging to me that uh, Amazon Web Services was like, no, fuck off, absolutely do not use uh, our software for drones, you know? Uh, I think that's a good starting point, but this stuff is so embedded now that I I, I worry that it's already kind of uh, too yeah, late I think for it is. Yeah, I can't believe it. The police stopped me. They used a computer to tell me I wasn't legally in the UK. And I said, nah, that's ridiculous. I'm as British as they come, man. I love gravy. Milo, say gravy a bunch of times in an Afrikaans accept for me, please. I find it very pleasing. Okay. Gravy. I want... I, I, Anyway, uh, that seems more mostly like a uh, chilling portent of things to come. Uh, hmm. Loading up East is Red Drop onto the soundboard. <laughs> uh, yes, nah, I don't think there'll be too much racism. Don't worry time, about it. It's time for us to have a little bit of fun after talking about something that is grindingly depressing. Uh, that's right. We are doing. We are reading an article that you have been. You've been asking for it. What's coming? Gabo, Gabo, Gabo. That's right. Mm. It's Niall Ferguson's moronic TikTok article, which yes. was so delightful. Fucking yes. This is the hottest TikTok trend, Niall Ferguson's it. article. Uh, yeah, all the teens are reading Niall Ferguson's article and then yeah. overlaying it with fart noises. No, Niall Ferguson's <laughs> article was actually just a video of him dancing and pointing to speech bubbles of text that were coming up on the screen like a paragraph <laughs> at a time. Um, yeah, so uh, here is the article. It was so fun. Uh, it is titled, TikTok is inane, China's imperial ambition is not. That's right, baby. Yeah, so the subtitle, which I love, the US won the Cold War by exporting its values. So now Ferguson's looking at the mm. tourism bonus New York gets in Civilization <laughs> 6 for having Broadway. Well, Elliot Abrams <laughs> teaches non-garroting lessons at the School of the Americas. Awesome. And yeah, yeah, if you export blue jeans, then people will want to wear the blue jeans and become right. capitalists. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, to be fair, it worked in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and China has a similar plan for Cold War II by Niall Ferguson. One of the second yeah. type of British of British historians. Yeah, there's there's two genders of British historian. Yeah, First man and woman. gender slaps some, <laughs> yeah, no the other one. Shut the fuck up. Okay, there's two there there's no two genders of British riot. historian. Yeah, exactly. Number one, slaps side of tank and calls it an amazing bit of pit. <laughs> mm. uh, number two, uh, ancient Greece wasn't Muslim, how the West became good. <laughs> mm. And Neil Ferguson is firmly well, in the second gender here. He is such a second type of British historian. So mm. let's talk about it. Um, it's hard to get past the initial sheer inanity of TikTok. 
Mm, as an INTJ, I actually... (laughs) I actually predicted the contents of your TikToks without even watching them. Perhaps a few increspened treats. You have merely adopted adopted the Dipton. You can do the Bane impression later. Uh, so, you know, already uh, Niall Ferguson is, is, is being like, oh, yes, I'm far too smart for TikTok. He might as well be saying, yeah, I fucking hate Justin Bieber who's trying to make us all Chinese. Yeah, exactly. Before he tried to make us all gay before and now it's Chinese. Yeah. Um, so he is he's fully doing the, oh, I fucking hate Justin Bieber's music for little girls. And he's like a fucking 90 year old man or whatever. I don't know how old he is. Don't tell me. Uh, I don't yeah. know and won't learn. He's spiritually 90 years old. Yeah. I spent half an hour trying to make sense of the endless feed of video snippets of ordinary people doing daft things with their dogs or in the kitchens or in the gym. I figured out the viral memes of the moment. Animals dancing to Tono Rosario's... Wait, 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 wait. He figured out the viral memes of the moment. That means Neil Ferguson has watched at least one femboy TikTok. (laughs) That's right. What is this? Some kind of... Feeling like, well, their opinions on racial hygiene are surprisingly accurate. (laughs) The suspenseful unveiling of punks or hounds to the repeated words, please don't be ugly. I asked my eight-year-old son what I should look out for. He recommended the dancing ferret, but I never found it. Do you reckon his son is really eight years old? He just doesn't remember that he's grown older. Like his son is like thirty-two oh, years old. So you're saying that this is this is the column of someone whose like last synapses are disconnecting. Yes, I think so. Mm. Um, yeah, it rules. It's just like the guy's like, ah, oh, I don't, I don't get TikTok. It's stupid. It's for young watching, people. Fuck watching that. a bu- what, watching a bunch of femboys dancing and being like, well, those are surprisingly accurate uniforms of the Waffen SS. I wonder if he watched any of my TikToks. <laughs> but also, right, it's, it's, it's his his thing is. He it has the tone of like a forty year old man who's like sat down to watch an episode of Sesame Street and is like, "This is ridiculous. This is this, this is, is a, bad television. <laughs> this, is, this bird is far too large. No, no chick would be of such an absurd and ungainly size. <laughs> I shall write to complain that Sesame Street is not diverting to me a fucking million year old man who who would live in a bin. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh, this is ridiculous." It reminds me of the, um, the Pierre... <laughs> what kind of wealthy grout? <laughs> this reminds me of a friend of the show, Pierre Novelli's. What do I... I think his best bit is... Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do the thing that everyone hates. Yeah. I'm just going to talk about someone else's comedy bit. Where he's like... He's like a guy who goes to the circus and doesn't fully understand that the clowns are supposed to be silly. <laughs> just goes and sits down and is like, those trousers are far too big. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that was Pierre Novelli. No one could be this French. That was the Pierre Novelli moment. Anyway, so mm. back to this. 30 minutes of TikTok left me with just one burning question. How can this thing be a threat to U.S. national security? It can't. Thank you, Neil. <laughs> yeah, that, so, the article we, ends We figured here. it out. <laughs> uh, Hussein, you like the internet. I, I do. I do like the internet. Um, what, what, what was the sub like? Do, do we, do we need to like establish that Neil Ferguson didn't actually go on TikTok and he's just kind of bullshitting his way through this? Or I, th- I think he's, he went on it and was just like, ah, oh, this is baby stuff. This isn't for me. I'm going to write an article about how much I hate it. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it, uh, I, I feel like the obvious point is that this is a guy who's definitely spent, he definitely just went on the trading section for a bit. And if you go on the trending section of like any sort of UK platform or wherever he's based like it's just very kind of cringeworthy America's. cringeworthy stuff designed for teens because it like is a app for teenagers but this is also a guy who like bearing in mind he wrote that book what was it called like the citadel on the square or something like that oh that shit the tower on the square mm. yeah 
Right. And his, and his whole, and his whole premise that he, well, he like marketed himself as like a social media guru, but like didn't actually say anything that useful. And he like, he, he's done this stick for a while of like, you know, I'm gonna, uh, here are like the eight, he wrote another book where it was like eight apps to, mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, tell us why Western civilization is great. Like, Oh yeah. Well, I remember we talked right, about this. Free, like, not only what, not only was it like, yeah, it's like freedom and like, you know, rule of law and private property and all that stuff. So this is like a lot, this is like a longstanding shtick of Neil, Neil Ferguson, who, um, is like, you know, in, in all sense of words is a reactionary, but he's got like a Stanford, uh, position, which means he has to kind of at least kind of pretend that he like knows something new. Oh man. Well, um, Dear Felix, I'm sorry. I'm going to make you listen to me talk about civilization, the West and the rest and the killer apps of, um, <laughs> uh, of the West, because I found the next book for Intelligence 5.0. I feel certain we've done that yeah. already. Uh, we've done things that are almost indistinguishable from it, but I'm sure I'm certain I will find something in it that makes it unique. Just like who mm. knew that Matt Ridley, the thing that made it unique would be his when ideas have sex point of view. <laughs> anyway, uh, listen to Intelligence 4 on the Patreon. Uh, so 30 minutes of TikTok left me with just one burning question. How can this be a threat to U.S. national security? Here's how. I've truncated this for length because this fucker needs an editor. Mm. Um, I had the epiphany. TikTok is not just China's revenge for the century of humiliation between the opium wars and Mao's revolution. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hope you're dancing to that. I'm going to do this every time yeah. he does this kind of yellow but peril like, number, thing. Number one, though, encoded in that statement is the, is the a sort of underlying assumption, no, we should impose humiliation on other people. You know, it's wrong yeah. only if it flows the other way. Uh, it's also just hilarious to me that the idea, A, that China is trying to exact revenge for some stuff that happened, like, well over 100 years ago, like, before the current state of China even came to exist. But also the, the idea that they would take revenge on it by a, a dancing app for teenagers. Oh, I will tell you how this, okay. this works. It is the opium, a digital fentanyl, if you will, to get our kids stoked for the oncoming Chinese Imperium. Okay. Do you know what? <laughs> do you know what is the? Do you know? Uh, do you know what actually is the fentanyl that loads of kids in America are addicted to? Fucking fentanyl, <laughs> which is being given to them by American companies. How fucking stupid do you have to be? Oh, the Chinese! Oh, those those cunning Chinese! They've made an app that the youngsters are going on to do dances. No young person has ever danced before. This will surely be the, yes, it is truly the fentanyl of its age. Unlike fentanyl, which we just willfully send (laughs) by the bucket load into our own poor communities, thereby doing, ironically, the opium crisis on ourselves somehow. Having gone bored of doing it to other people, we've turned it (laughs) inwards. We've turned the gun on ourselves and our fucking companies are profiteering off of getting children addicted to fentanyl. But no, the problem is that the Chinese have made an app where people can do dances about (laughs) communism. Yes, that is the main issue. You know, in many ways, fentanyl is the TikTok. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah because, because a cop will be like, oh, I, well, I have uh, tactically watched one second of a TikTok. I'm about to go into cardiac arrest. Right. Yeah. And this is, a, this is an old argument too, right? They, what, they did this with weed. Like, uh, 
They were like, you know, red Chinese are bringing in marijuana so that your children become uh, communists, so that they start to fall in love with black people. Rock yeah. and roll is a yeah, jazz is a Soviet plot to like uh, make people discontented with. Um, I don't know. Of course, China, is, <laughs> China is the least weed smoking country. On <laughs> yeah, like, it's just not in it. A weed. There's nothing about China that says to me like a stoner ass country. Yeah, I mean, okay, so that's the idea, right? Is that we are going to get stoked for Chinese Imperium be- because of, I don't... The digital fentanyl. Yeah, because kids are going to know that ByteDance, the parent company of, Ch- of TikTok, is Chinese. <laughs> <It's> Chinese. <laughs> I mean, he makes, mm. he, he makes some sort of imbecilic point about digital surveillance. But again, they're already being surveilled more intensely by people who want to sell them predictive text t-shirts. That's right. You cannot escape the surveillance. It's not uniquely Chinese, you fucking moron. That's why my t-shirt says no, everything's no, no. Spying on Spying on people is when you're Chinese, and the more Chinese you are, the more spying on yeah. people you are. Mm. Also, you have to like install this bonsai buddy to get into the <laughs> EU now. So, yeah. And he said, the thing spreads faster than COVID-19. Again, that's uh, wrong! Not in fucking America, it doesn't! I'm wet. <laughs> I'm wearing out the fucking button. Jesus Christ. It's just, this is... That, that oh. is a longer-winded way of doing China virus, yeah. right? Like, China. Yeah. TikTok has China. 800 China. million monthly active users around the globe, and it's far mm. more contagious, just under a half... So honestly, it's beginning to sound like marketing copy for TikTok. <laughs> Gabo, Gabo, Gabo. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Just under half of U.S. teenage internet users have used TikTok. If it were a pathogen, it would be the Black Deck, Black Deck, Black Death. But it's an app, so ByteDance is now worth a hundred billion dollars. Awesome! Thank you, Nal Ferguson. <laughs> Nal Ferguson has it really makes you think. He's right that it is. He is right that it's silly that the company is worth a hundred billion dollars yeah. off of it. That's the only correct thing we've heard so he far. Didn't say it's a silly. tech bubble. Yeah. He didn't say it's silly. Mm. He didn't. He didn't say it's silly. <laughs> the only <laughs> thing that should be worth that much is. I don't recall saying good luck. <laughs> exactly. So Ferguson then goes through a couple of problems with TikTok, a couple of which are legitimate and common to any social network. It steals all of your yeah. data, but not because it's Chinese, just because that's what social also, networks like, you know, do. Images of child abuse and stuff, but most of them are Cold War related. So he says, "Matt, child abuse TikTok is the most fucked vibe you can possibly." You're think stealing of. all my data I, for <laughs> you. I've shut. The- <laughs> I've written before Austria. We have banned TikTok in Austria <laughs> yeah. and therefore solved this problem. I've written before mm. in this space about Cold War II. Well, TikTok mm. has become the Sino-American conflict's latest casualty. Too cold, too war. Unlike everything else in America, including COVID-19, shut the fuck up, Nile. <laughs> fuck off. Like the dang clowns yeah. in Congress. Just, just absolute, yeah. just capital steps level uh, satire yeah. here. Call it the Rona or don't refer to it at all, yeah. first of all. Unlike, unlike everything else in America, including COVID-19, Cold War II is bipartisan. Just a fucking bang-up sentence right there. Perfect. Unlike everything else in America, including COVID-19, Cold War II is bipartisan. What the f- What is he trying to say with this sentence? I, mean, I think the original Cold War was also bipartisan. <laughs> um, I, too, remember when the Democrats were like, oh, we should give up, we should be the Soviet Union. Famously. We're babies. Last, last yeah. October, Senate Minority Leader- I, for one, love the, uh, love the Soviet Union. Uh, I thank don't you, have any Dutch problems with JFK. them at all. 
<laughs> I'm wearing blackface right now. <laughs> uh, last October, the Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and the Republican Senator Tom Cotton jointly called for a national oh, security boy. investigation into ByteDance. Could you just, if they if they they had to stand quite close to each other to do that, right? Like, couldn't someone just have gone and just like slapped their heads together in like a comical way, <laughs> like, a, you, like a Stooges like, situation? Donk. Yeah. Um, yeah, like a Newton's cradle. Oh, wow. Chuck Schumer worked with the Republicans? Damn, TikTok must be a threat. Um, the issue, they said, is that as a Chinese entity, ByteDance is subject to China's cybersecurity rules, which stipulates that it has to share data with the Chinese government. They should only share data with <laughs> our government. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Real one. Niall, Ferguson, Niall Ferguson is saying, oh, I'm worried that China's on an offensive against liberalism, with it, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, you're, quote, you're quoting Tom Cotton af- approvingly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the thing is that China puts Muslims in camps in the wrong way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they should do it in the, mm. the border in Libya in the right way, like we do. Yeah. You can't separate the families. If they didn't separate the families, then it would be okay. You know, then that's what we do. Mm. Yeah, so TikTok admits it does this in its privacy policy, saying we may share your information with the parent subsidiary or other affiliate of our corporate group. And like, yeah, that's bad. But like Niall Ferguson sort of so every social that. network does. Every single one does that. This guy mm-hmm. just he th- he probably still says the Facebook. Oh yeah. Where the fuck? Uh, it's cool. It's cool. Um, like crack, TikTok is dangerous. Oh, like crack. Wow. <laughs> like crack. Oh, boy. What? Just like crack. Just exactly like crack. Like like crack. TikTok is a racial <laughs> panic. Yes. Uh, for example, TikTok's users who are still mostly young and female love lip sync videos. These have become a magnet for pedophiles who can use the app to send girls <laughs> sexual explicit you, messages. You can tell because their keyboard smells like hammers. <laughs> I can just imagine just like fucking like Niall Ferguson is watching this just going like, well, I'm certainly aroused. Perhaps it could be a lure for pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, mm, the only person who thought pedophile here is uh, the writer of this article, dude. Um, yeah, I initially discovered t- TikTok by Googling videos of children dancing. And I was horrified by what I found. <laughs> and even remix videos and dance along with them using a feature called Duet. This is, again, Chris Morris couldn't have written this. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? It's like, it's, the, the monsters are using an app called TikTok created by the Chinese, and they can remix themselves into videos <laughs> with children as young as Zygote. Yeah, they're making cows. And just China spheres. is making our China is making our boys nonsense. No, I can imagine him just uh, being like, "Hey, right. honey, did you have you heard about this thing? I saw it in uh, you know, Epstein kept bringing up TikTok, you know, and he was talking about like this duet <laughs> function. I don't know. Should I look into it? I, I think though, British historians and right wingers of all stripes should be taking offense to this because the implication that Britain needs absolutely any foreign help with noncing is quite frankly <laughs> a betrayal of the great British tradition of noncing. We like it's much like the railways. We invented it and exported it around the world. <laughs> well, no, it was it was the, much like liberalism. The idea was born in ancient Greece, but it was mm. it was perfected, perfected. by Britain. Yeah, exactly. The bedrock of Western <laughs> civilization. There we go. Jerusalem mm. and Athens, baby. The <laughs> Ben Shapiro promise. Um, so, for Ben Thompson, who's based in Taiwan, the past year has been revelatory. Uh, having previously played down the political and ideological motivations of the Chinese government, he's now come out as a new Cold Warrior. Who the fuck is Ben Thompson, and why do I yeah, give a cold shit? Cold Warrior. Yeah. China's vision of the role of technology is fundamentally different from the West's, he argues. All and right. <laughs> 
and it fully intends to export its anti-liberal vision to the rest of the world. Sorry, can you run back the entirety of this podcast from before we started this reading series real quick? <laughs> Racism. Um, if China's on the offensive against liberalism, not only within its borders, because okay, China uses computers differently to us, you can tell because the keyboards <laughs> yeah. look different yeah, and they've exactly. got a bunch of like different I don't trust that shit. So they think of them differently, probably. If, if China is on the offensive against liberalism, not only within its borders but with, within ours, he asks, is is it in liberalism's interest to cut off a vector that has taken root precisely because it is so brilliantly engineered How to give humans exactly what they? Want. How could China be on the offensive within its own borders? <laughs> play the drop. Just play the drop. China's invading itself. Truly, it has happened. Chinese troops on the streets of China. <laughs> this, is, this really is the last straw in the Western liberal order. Yeah. As Anderson puts it, in the near future, every person who enters a public space in China can be identified instantly by AI matching them to an ocean of personal data. Yeah, imagine that! Mm-hmm. Yeah. How Listen do they do that the when they all look so minutes also. of the podcast again? In China, you, you when you go outside, there's a bunch of stuff spying on you. Uh, it's probably something that's up with China. Kind of weird how they do that. Yeah, we don't anyway, do that not going to think about this any yeah. further. <laughs> that button is yeah. going to fall off. Is, this is mad. Yeah. Um, and... In time, algorithms will be able to string together data points from a broad range of sources, travel records, friends and associates, reading habits and purchases to predict political resistance before it happens. Alice. You've described prevent. (laughs) You have described prevent. And this is another thing, right? Like, I don't know. Someone might yell at me for saying this, but like, Xi Jinping's butler would hunt anyone on or listening to this podcast for sport. Like, I'm under no illusions about that. I'm not trying mm. to be like, oh, we should, we should all just, hunting like... you for your meat, to be yeah. fair. That'd be weird. Yeah, though. right? Like, but just the, the, I, the idea that, like... The increasingly interchangeable aspects of neoliberalism. Yeah, that's kind of mm. where I'm going with this. Is It's just like, man, it sure, it sure is great having all these choices as to who is going to do exactly this to uh, me and everyone I know. Yeah, but they're arguing over the, like the color of the hat that you wear when you're yeah. doing it. Uh, the Western yeah. Empire, he goes on, is under external attack from Russian resistance and Chinese competition. Oh yeah, the fucking Russians. Some people who are absolutely so on top of desperate. their game. They're so desperate to do some great game shit, it rules. Look, if your empire can be destroyed by the fucking Russians, who I can tell you from experience are a bunch of people who spend like almost Staircase 19 hours a day pissed drunk. Like, you, maybe it wasn't such a great empire. They are not an organized people. Um, uh, Hussein, before we go on, I want to sort of, I want to pull you in here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, I, every, like, I, the, I think Alice like made my point already, which was like, what he's basically done is describe every kind of surveillance system um, that social media like operates from. And like, you know, the only, the only sort of difference, I guess it's kind of, it's one of the, like the core philosophies of this show, which is that like, maybe what he's envious of is like of a streamlined and like more effective surveillance system. Um, considering how mm. like patchy and fucked, like, you know, the re- or like even just uh, the reliance on like Facebook and like a Silicon Valley startups as uh, to like, you know, the reliance on like waiting on Silicon Valley to spin out surveillance systems. 
Um, whereas like the Chinese sort of have just kind of gone and done it. Oh yeah. If if you if you if you take like the um the dominant like name of the ideology that is being applied, that's neoliberalism in either case. And like if you if, if if you call that in the US, if you call that liberalism, or if you call that uh, socialism with Chinese characteristics in China, this is the same guy. Like I guarantee you, there are a hundred Chinese versions of this guy who are just like, well, it's fine so long as we like maintain we do the surveillance, but we maintain a role for socialism with Chinese characteristics or liberalism. But when they do it, it's illiberal and therefore very dangerous well, and foreign and I feel alien. Like, I think to, it's worth bearing in mind that like in my view Neil Ferguson is a guy who's like very aware of being outdated like very aware that he's close to being like fully outdated um, and as the guy who like was once the kind of poster boy in Britain and later in America for defending Western values and defending like the legacy of like the British Empire and just like American imperialism um, he sits at this very weird position where like, as everything is sort of crumbling, like he, you know, when you sort of like hit your career to that, then you're in a very uncomfortable position when that all starts falling apart. Um, so the way that I was reading his TikTok piece, but really just the way that I've been reading his tweets and like his general output over the years, um, I don't, is, 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 is one of like real kind of like personal anxiety. Right. Um, I don't know if any of you guys remember like his whole shtick with a Pankaj Mishra where like light criticism in the London review of books caused Neil Ferguson to like get his lawyers to try sue Pankaj Mishra for, um, just like, I, I, I think he, I think Pankaj Mishra accused Neil Ferguson's academic work of like perpetuating, uh, a kind of racism. So not that he was racist, but like just kind of perpetuating a like um, racial what viewpoint. A baseless accusation. Right. Uh, you know, um, if like it's for fa- you know fairly mild, but I, f- I, I feel like whenever I think of Neil Ferguson, I just think about like, here is a guy who like is, can no longer really claim himself to be the kind of great intellectual that he fashioned himself out to be. Um, so as a result, like he's sort of going to be, you know, seeing out the end of empire by writing these inane think pieces about like why uh like the dear the D Emilio sisters are the greatest threat to America since the Taliban. Yeah, so I think mm. what it's interesting then actually, what Neil Ferguson is, is a washed up forty year old stand up comedian who's trying to do TikToks and failing to be convincing. Yeah. But he's the historian version of that. The Taliban right. are actually on TikTok now, so <laughs> drop them a follow. <laughs> say, say, I mean um, I mean I mean say what you will, the Islamic Dawah guys are very good on that. Um, so <laughs> just, uh, then they're competing against the femboys and I like the femboys better. <laughs> so one. just, just, uh, just, just, uh, rounding this out. He says, one of the many ways America sought to undermine the Soviet Union in Cold War One was by waging a cultural cold Please war. Please stop saying Cold War One. This was partly about, about being seen to beat the Soviets at their own games, chess, ballet, ice hockey, but it was mainly about corrupting the, the Soviet Soviets people. didn't invent any of those things. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I could, Niall Ferguson just sort of thought of some stuff and then was like, well, here are our victories, so these are their main trophies. They, we couldn't beat them in drinking. No. Um, yeah. No, but we got, we got the cultural victory in Civilization Yeah, we got six. the cultural victory of having the Fated Family. They're the great, a great pe- person was born in Civ 6. You the will fated family. never beat Russia in having crumbling infrastructure. <laughs> Cre- create great work. Chug four liters of Asahi and puke uh, 25% of the way through it. Um, sorry. Uh, so, but it was mainly about corrupting the Soviet people with the irresistible temptations of American popular culture. Um, mm. So yeah, again, uh, we're just gonna forget. I, I just I feel like the oh my god, he admitted meme here. Also, so why did you defect? You, you're Cindy Lauper. She is very sex. 
Uh, but also, it's like, again, oh, we're just going to forget about the garroting lessons. We're going to forget about the assassinations. We're going to forget about, like, arming reactionary right-wing groups around the world. We're going to forget about Gladio. No, it was jeans. It was all jeans. There's also a section a little bit earlier where he, like, quotes at length uh, some Chinese scholar and says, look, this is proof. They, they're they thinking about geopolitics. And it's uh, like, dude, we, how many? All right. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> And it's like, how many fucking people do we have in the West that whose their whole entire careers are like looking at geopolitics and figuring out how to make Western civilization like the own the last empire, how to make American empire the last empire, how to restore the British Empire? I mean, like when we do it, it's fine. It's 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 uh, it's logical. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. We're just perpetuating Western values. But when they like they don't even do the same thing when they just notice that the American Empire is falling apart. Uh, it's Cold War, too. I've actually. <laughs> I've actually discovered that the Chinese are squaring up for a war. I've been reading about this guy who keeps talking about ways that you're going to uh, admit your enemy. Some some Chinese government advisor called Sun Tzu. <laughs> so, final, final, final paragraph. This one is incredible. Uh, mm. Alice, poise yourself over the drop, please. Oh, yes. Uh, the tables have been turned. In a debate I hosted at Stanford mm. in 2018, the tech billionaire T- Peter Thiel used the memorable aphorism, AI is communist. Give me your AI blood. Is communist. I demand <laughs> blood. AI is communist. Cryptography is libertarian. TikTok validates the first half of that. In the late 1960s, during the Cultural Revolution, Chinese <sighs> children denounced their parents for rightist deviance. In 20... 20- Hold <laughs> on. In 2020, during the COVID-19 lockdown and Black Lives Matter protests, American teenagers posted videos of, them, of themselves berating their parents for racism, and they did it on TikTok, article ends. <laughs> <laughs> These two things are the same. <laughs> Uh, essentially, what we conclude from this is that Niall Ferguson's child has been owning him repeatedly. <laughs> You're a fucking rightist, Dad. Just screaming it over and over. Again. <laughs> Yeah. Just, just like his child is like dancing and pointing to a textbook that, box that says, "Can't believe my dad is a historian in America." <laughs> yeah, his, his, and he has felt the most owned. He has struggled. His child like home. whipped Niall Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. His, his child is just like whipping him while he builds a pig iron furnace yeah. in their back garden. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly it. Just this is a a fucking like a Valium overdose of an article yeah. <laughs> of just some of some fever dreams and imaginations of Cold War 2 and he's terrified that like because TikTok operates like any social network in the world that somehow it is uniquely evil and it's it's mm. fucking it's great. I loved hearing it. I loved hearing about it. I loved reading it. I loved listening. I, I bet you loved listening to it. You fucking hogs. We loved it. It was very good. Tremendous. <laughs> My favorite part is that he says that China is seeking to take over Empire 1.0, uh, implying that the like I guess a Western liberal post-Westphalian order is like the first empire. Yeah, it's all been the same since. Uh, you know, yeah. Remember the book Jerusalem and Athens? It's all the same kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. the time. There's and, never been any kind of. And Genghis Khan. Yeah, you know, it's all that stuff. Anyway, look, it's been going. It's been going for a million years. Um, Edward, I want to thank you uh, very much, and I want to say uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for calling in. Where can people find you? Um, 
on Twitter, I'm at Big Black Jacobin, and um, also this machine or Machine Kills Pod, and that's pretty much it. I just like tweeting to the abyss all day. Hell yeah! Well, um, give uh, give give the give the podcast a listen um, because Jathan and Edward are both uh, really smart and well informed about technology, certainly mm. more than we are. And they're funded completely by the Chinese, yeah. so you know it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get money from the Chinese also- and SoftBank. You know, got to play both sides. That's right. Exactly. Uh, and additionally, you know, you know what it is. All the usual Ed matter: Patreon, bail fund, Marcus Braun still in jail, yeah. shirts, uh, Twitch streaming, uh, things yeah. of that nature. Ghislaine Maxwell bail fund. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ghislaine Maxwell bail fund. Marcus Braun bail fund. Denounce your parents on TikTok. Yeah, denounce your parents on TikTok. It's far too hot. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, yeah. baby. Um, all right. Uh, so we will catch you on the Patreon later, everybody. Catch you later. Start taking notes.